everyone and welcome to another episode of the I Like Boxing podcast with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the man, Joel Ilier. Joel, how are you? I used to be a man, a myth and a legend, and now I'm just a mere mortal man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said legend. <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Not too yeah, bad. Good, Joe. I heard that you went out this weekend and lived life like a young man. I did, yeah. We went to a friend's 45th birthday party in Liverpool Street to, I think, Victorian something house. And we stayed out till about midnight. Got the wow. got a train back from Liverpool Street at about half twelve. Got the old vomit comet, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, there weren't any, <laughs> any of those, that filth on the train with us. And yeah, it was really lovely, like three-course meal, drinks, you know, wow. dancing to good music, DJs. Yeah, cool. it felt like I was uh, 25 again. Brilliant. How was your weekend? It was great. I went to the boxing, mate. Oh, yeah? Yeah, of course you did, because yeah. uh, I got tickets, didn't you I? You did. You Except got I couldn't some go. very cheap tickets, yeah. which was great. £7.50. What a bargain. Yeah, absolute <laughs> bargain, everyone. They're sold on some sort of theatre website, I think, and it fed into this really strange crowd that we were sat around at the boxing, right? Because it had like, these two ladies in front who clearly thought that they were going to a theatre show. <laughs> They thought that there was some sort of boxing show on at the O2, but hadn't quite realised it was actual fighting. Boxing is theatre, Joel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very true. I should have said that to him. So we had that in front of us and then behind, because basically everyone in our, our area must have bought the tickets from the same place we did. And so behind, to my left, we had this group of northerners who had come down and one of them just did not stop shouting, twist him in the dick. And it was like incessant all night. Why don't we start the show by talking about the Boazzi Richards fight since you had a first hand view? How was it, Joel? It was great. I mean, it was a really enjoyable fight. Class somewhere between good and great, yeah. I'd say. It won't go down as a British classic, but it was a superb, fully committed fight from yeah. both fighters. I thought it was a, yeah, really, really great fight. Right man won. Although it was funny because from the seats that my vantage point, it looked a lot more competitive in person because I wasn't sort of right next to the ring. Yeah. And so you can't see a lot of the intricacies of the work. And I thought that a lot of Boazzi's punches live would have been missing oh yeah okay because craig richards has such an amazingly relaxed it's a beautifully relaxed style yeah where he's so calm under pressure yeah that you just figure oh he hasn't just been crunched on the chin yeah yeah but actually has <laughs> he's just really <laughs> calm under fire so i wasn't giving live i wasn't giving buatsi as much credit for his work as i should have been i thought that he richards actually took Boazzi's power shots very well, particularly in the first round. I thought he was clipped quite heavily a couple of times in the first round, and those were shots that I think might have put Lesser Man down. But um, it was funny, actually, because um, in the Five Live podcast with Steve Bunce and Mike Costello, Steve Bunce referenced the fact that those shots that he took, the fact that it was a all-British domestic dust-up with both men mm. from South London, pride was at stake. Yeah. So you can take your no one more. was really yeah exactly mm. spot on exactly yeah I, th I think you're probably right but I think that Richard sees every punch coming yeah even if the landing I mean that was something that really was obvious in person that Richard rides a shot really well yeah he's never taken the full impact yeah whereas I tell you what it's a bit worrying for Buatzi when Buatzi gets punched mm. it's like just a Dong. I mean, you can see it from the back of the arena. Yeah. And he just freezes. Yeah. You know, he's really hit. Yeah. He doesn't ride a shot at all as he really moves up in level. It can be, it could be very troublesome for him. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, where does Joshua Boazzi go from here in terms of future opponents? All roads lead to a title shot. Obviously, I doubt he's going to go in with an elite champion, though. So looking around, I would say Maxim Vlajov, who's got a belt, he's up there. I think that he's an obvious target. Yeah. I also think that Jean Pascal is still at the weight and he would sort of make sense as a big name ex champion. Yeah. I think that he's more likely to go one of these routes. Oh, yeah. And of course, what about, as I was thinking about this, and I think, again, this was a fight that was discussed on the Five Live podcast with Bunce and Costello, Anthony Yard. Yeah. Joe, this makes all the sense in the world and would be a fantastic fight, would move both of them into different stratosphere as professional fighters and for all of those reasons it's just definitely not going to happen anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> yeah. so it's too obvious to it's make. too obvious <laughs> but obviously they're with different promoters and different tv companies and unfortunately this is a fight that yeah it could be huge and it just won't be it's really annoying but this is what we put up with as boxing fans yeah yeah but i think the virgil hunter afterwards anyway said that He's not quite ready for Bivol and Canelo. And therefore, I think he's talking Baturbiev as well. He must be, in fact. I think yeah. he didn't even <laughs> mention Baturbiev for, for good, with good reason. And when he says not quite ready, what he means is he won't definitely win. The reason he's not thinking of taking on Baturbiev is because I'm actually taking him on in, in my next fight, mate. So, oh, yeah, can't yeah. wait to see that. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll definitely buy a front row ticket for that one, mate. <laughs> You'll be licking blood off, I'll mate. I'll be licking sure. that blood off. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, no, I think it's probably a good idea that Boatsy avoids Baturbiev for the yeah. time being. I think so. But one thing I would say, though, is that I think he is ready to take on these guys if we're talking about whether he would be competitive. Because I think he would be competitive at that level. Yeah. But I don't think he would necessarily win these fights. No. But saying all this, I do 100% understand and accept Virgil's stance on this. I mean, he, it's like what I was saying with the riding of the shots, there's some stuff that Virgil could teach him that yeah. could help him in in those fights that he's, he's not quite working on right now. Yeah, he definitely, I think there's room for improvement before he maybe takes on those, you know, the, the, the elites in the division. Because yeah. there's, there is room for improvement with Joshua Boazzi. I mean, he's got he's definitely got potential with some some improvement to really compete well against the, the top guys in the d- division. So, you just said there that there's room for improvement with Joshua Barazzi, but it's funny because I watch Craig Richards and I just think that there's another level or two in him. He's such a lovely fighter to watch and he's so relaxed in the ring yeah. and he's so smart and he punches so clean and so hard. Yeah. And yet you're always left with this oh, he could have shown something just a little bit more. Yeah. And there needs to be something, I think, in his career. I don't know what it could be, but there needs to be some sort of change in order for him to sort of unlock that bit of potential that I think he has. And I'm sort of left with these feelings after the fight. And then it was interesting because I then listened to that Costello and Bunce podcast from Monday night, who... do a podcast how it should be done <laughs> it was it was so brilliant costello and bunce were reunited for one evening only and it was just that they they do break things down well but anyway mike costello mentioned that connor ben yeah. has said that there's a self-belief issue with craig richard so I, and, and that makes so much sense yeah because it's like he's got it all there but he doesn't quite realize it it's funny actually because i think of the of the two right now do you remember when you previewed the Jamel Charlo-Brian Castano fight and you said 
in the rematch, the one who's got the biggest room for improvement is Jamal Charlo. Yeah. And you, you're right. And if these two were to rematch, I think Craig Richards, like you say, he has, if he could just be a, have a bit more spite and a bit more work rate. Yeah. He, you know, cause he's a classy operator. He's, so he's good. a really good boxer. Oh, seeing him in person, I, it was a lot more impressive than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably 33 now, whether he can. He's 32, yeah. 32 now, yeah. So whether he's capable of changing his style somewhat to, you know, he doesn't even need a style change. He needs a performance tweak. Yeah. I don't, do you know what I mean? It's like his style is actually perfect. It's really good, it? yeah. He's yeah. just got to impose himself on his opponent more. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the key. No, I, I agree with you on that one. But isn't this another one? Because like last week, like we were saying about fighters being afraid to lose. Yeah. Like, so we can have another example here where both fighters go in, they have a great fight, winner and loser, their reputation is enhanced. Yes, yeah. And they're going to be in bigger and better fights. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid of just going in there and just as long as you give it your all, yeah. then you're going to be all right. Yeah, you know, exactly. I think there's proof of that here. So that was a great fight. Anything more more to add, Joel? No, just wondering where he goes from here, I guess, in terms of Richards, because again, just like Anthony Yard making all the sense in the world yeah. for Joshua Barazzi, I mean, Lyndon Arthur makes yes. all the sense in the world for Craig Richards. That's almost a crossroads fight as well, in yeah. that Lyndon Arthur obviously coming off a big, heavy loss to Anthony Yard. Craig Richards has obviously lost this fight very closely to be fair and to Bivol but again closely and that close defeat looks bloody good now exactly yeah uh, I would probably yeah I mean that, I think that would be an excellent fight really, yeah. and, it, and it does make a lot of sense mm, two classy boxers yeah it's whether they're both of them are willing to risk it because I do think the loser of that fight has very limited options afterwards so are they willing to, to take that risk who knows we'll, we'll have to wait and find out oh, good point Alan Babich against Adam Balski. What a fight. Oh, my God. I mean, watching this fight, I just I just was like, this is mental. Jeez, <laughs> Alan Babich is just like his ring moniker suggests. He's an absolute savage. Because I was going to say, where do we even start here? But where you just started is the only natural place to acknowledge yeah. that Babich is a savage. Yeah, yeah. And crazy things happen when he's in a ring. What, what was it that Mike Costello said about Alan Babich when... He, he said that the atmosphere in an arena changes when yeah. Alan Babich enters. And he is right. Yeah. I mean, we know what to expect from Babich. And when he comes in, it's like there's a hush that comes over the place and just an excited murmur. Yeah. It's yeah. like a main, it's, it's that feeling of main event before the main event starts. Exactly. So for those who don't know, so in the, within about 20 seconds of the first round, Alan Babich just came out swinging like a lunatic and he got caught with a couple of shots and I think the one that put him down within the first 20 seconds was maybe more on the back of the head it was on the top of the head top of the head yeah so Alan Babich was down within the first 20 seconds of the fight which sort of set the tone basically so what he does is Alan he runs at opponents with his arm and hand cocked yeah just ready to fire and it's like he's sort of got you know that sort of cartoon thing and looking at your hand and sort of going look it's coming yeah it's coming and he does that with every punch it's a sort of weird atmosphere watching him there was this mix of sort of there's this danger in the ring but everyone i've got to say he was almost a bit of a comedy character yeah 
because he fights in such a ridiculous style. Yeah. It's like comic book it style. Is. Yeah, yeah. That everyone is watching and laughing and making a joke about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. going, oh, what? He's about to throw the right, you know, yeah. all this sort of yeah. thing, you know. Cause... I mean, the number of times he, he really telegraphs his punches, doesn't he? I mean, he's literally like cocking his hand. You know, all the way around planet Earth, essentially. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. It's uh, it's it's quite a thing to see that someone will actually do this in real life. I mean, and last week I called Brian Castano an old-fashioned TV fighter, but I thought, you know what, Alan Babbage is a far better example of that. Yeah, just someone yeah. you know is going to come out and entertain the viewers every yeah. single time. But something that did strike me anyway on a more serious note about Babbage in this fight was that his stamina is vastly improved yeah. from even a few months ago. I mean, the pace he fought this at, I couldn't believe he could keep it up for 10 rounds. Yeah. And he did. And also, you know, congratulations to Adam Bowski, who yeah. matched him here. I mean, he was also willing to just plant his feet and, and fight yeah. fire with fire. You know, he it was very interesting watching him as well with the he had a lot of Polish support in the crowd Bowski so he's somebody that could possibly be built into a bit of a ticket seller yeah over here but Joe I worry about Babich why is that he's on a bit of a one way trip to Dementiaville Ooh. you know he's very fun to watch but he's in a really tough spot here where he's built his reputation on just being a wrecking machine a bulldozer yeah. in the ring and he clearly feels that he can't fight any other way because he's got to go in there and he's got to impress his fans. Yeah. Um, fair enough, and that's a great outlook to have. But the problem is is that you can't have any longevity in this sport if you have a style like that. I mean, he'll be in an old folks home by the time he's 40 yeah. if he carries on like this. It's, you just can't. Not. Yeah, but you just you can't do what he's doing. He's got. I'm hoping that he's reached a level of fame and has enough backing now that he can tweak his style and get a little bit more sensible yeah. it may be a bit of a similar way to how I know some people are going to think this is a little bit of blasphemy what I'm about to say but in a similar way to what Diego Corrales did yeah. at the tail end of his career where he turned into a bit more of a smart boxer yeah. in order to prolong his career and what he was hoping for is his life but unfortunately that, that didn't happen with poor Diego so it was a great fight. Alan Babich won that on points. And in the ninth round as well, he, Alan Babich got caught with a shot after the bell, to be fair. It was after the bell. Um, but which absolutely sent his, gave him the chicken legs. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> did. I mean, he, he was out of it. I mean, I'm talking about cartoon fighting with cocking your hands back and all of that. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> there was nothing. This was like something from Tom and Jerry, the way that yeah. Babich reacted after that punch hit. Yeah. And actually, early on in the 10th round, he was taking a lot of shots. So it looked mm. as though he maybe hadn't recovered from that and that perhaps he was going to get stopped. Fair play to Babich, he managed to ride out probably the first half of the 10th round and then he poured it on a little bit. Like I said, it was a great fight. You have to give Alan Babich a lot of credit. I mean, like you say, he's got great stamina, crowd-pleasing style. He's a tough man. He's a very tough man. I wouldn't want to fight him. Certainly not. And (laughs) another thing, another, damn right there, but another thing that I would would add to that is just a thank you to Babich as well because he really does go out there and he just does it to put on a show for his fans. And yeah, yeah, cheers, mate. I'm all signed up to the old Savage fan club. Oh yeah, so in terms of next steps for Alan Babich, we, we were discussing this. We'd like to see him take on... Derek Chisora, potentially. No, look, it's not all that often that we totally agree on stuff like this, <laughs> and we do. So I think, Eddie, you need to listen to us here. Get that this Chisora be, fight. This would be a huge fight in London. Yeah. If you manage to put this on, and it'll be a guaranteed ticket seller, and it'll be a guaranteed brilliant fight. Yeah. Of 
course, he might be being lined up to take on Oscar Rivas for the WBC Bridgeweight World Championship. Who knows? I mean, I think he might be the number one contender for that. So yeah, but he's got options. Yeah, he certainly has got options and it's, it's good to see. He deserves it. Let's touch briefly on the women's game and a couple of fighters, Ellie Scottney and Chantel Cameron, who put on good performances on the Boatsy Richards card. Joel, you were there. Give us your thoughts. Ellie Scottney is a star in the making. She just has that stardust sprinkled all over her. Is she even more of a star than, uh, is it Lauren Price? Oh, God. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> don't, don't start getting all ridiculous on me. Who's your favourite fighter <laughs> the women's game? I've got to say, Ellie Scottney is now rivaling Lauren Price. I'll tell you what as well. She shares a similar trait as a boxer in terms of she is a master of distance and timing yeah and this when you see it put into action properly it immediately marks somebody out from the pack yeah and she has that now you can teach this you can train the distance and you can train the timing but you have to have aptitude of these traits in order to actually be able to learn them pick them up and implement them in your game. She's hugely impressive in a sense. It's the ring IQ really, isn't it? She's got the ring IQ. She's yeah. so intelligent. She's able to maintain that that timing and range for the majority of the rounds. Yeah, this is why you're here, Joe, because you just summed up my thoughts very exactly, succinctly yeah. there in a couple of sentences. <laughs> so cheers for that. No worries. <laughs> and of course, Chantel Cameron put on a good performance as well. So Absolutely. congratulations to those two. I think they show the... the we're getting a far better depth of talent really quickly in the game. What you meant to say was the burgeoning potential of women's boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I'll just write my thoughts down and you can just, just, express, just let us know. Express, yeah. express yeah. the view in an elegant yeah. manner. Thank you. Right, let's touch upon, this was a fight we previewed and it went exactly how we thought it would. David Benavides against David Lemieux. This was a one-sided, pointless beatdown. And I thought the fight should have been stopped at the end of round one when David Lemieux went down. So it's interesting because the referee, Harvey Dock, actually confirmed that he leapt in to call off the fight. Oh, did he? Yeah, he wasn't actually separating the boxers at all. Ah, uh, okay. But he heard the bell ring and he decided to let the fight go on, give him another chance. Yeah, so that decision basically meant that David Lemieux just took an extra two rounds of punishment. And I mean, his face was an absolute mess. It was tough to watch. And it was exactly what we feared when we didn't really want to talk about this fight last week, that this was... Well, we said he's a shot fighter. Yeah. Yeah. He's a shot fighter, sadly. And I mean, he fought with a lot of courage. Yeah. Well, this is the problem is that he is shot, but he still has that fighting pride. He hasn't lost that yet. And so he's a typical example of a warrior who needs saving from himself. Yeah, Absolutely. In fact, let's just touch on that. I mean, I was going to ask you if David Lemieux should should retire. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'm never going to say that somebody should retire, I guess, because that's up to them. Yeah. But what I would say is he shouldn't be fighting at this level. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that on that one. I, I wouldn't want to see him take punishment from fighters at the level of Benavidez because he's, you know, he's, he's no longer capable, I think, of competing at that level. No, but his best days were probably, what, eight years ago uh, at a lower weight? Yes, exactly. And he, did, he looked small as well against Benavidez. You can yeah. tell, you know, there's notable size difference. So where does Benavidez go from here? I mean, I'm not sure he gains anything from this fight, you know. It, what do you mean he doesn't gain anything, Joe? I mean, the commentator just announced him as a three-time world champion. <laughs> Isn't this, isn't this so, an interim so, belt? So, no, no, this is the thing, right? So the commentator did this thing yeah. very excitedly 
show. Oh, now the three-time champion. What a load of nonsense. Oh, my Lord. So you're telling me that you're going <laughs> to say that that puts him in company with Muhammad Ali, right? And I just want to just need to kick a little bit of the dust off of this claim. <laughs> right? And when I say kick a bit of the dust, I mean we can just talk near this claim and the dust will fall away because there's not much dust on top of this. His first title was one versus Ronald Gavril, right? Now... I thought you were going to say Ronald McDonald. <laughs> might as well have been. No, that's, that's hugely disrespectful. Gavril was a, a decent fighter. Yeah. But, right, so, and it was Gavril's first defence. Yeah. It was for some belt. He was then stripped uh, before his first defence yeah. for failing a drugs test oh. through, of all things, cocaine. Right, okay. Right, what are you doing? Jesus. Right. His second title, he then won against Anthony Dill, which, you know, for a respectable opponent to beat. Was that and a points win? It, it was out? a points win, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah I think yeah. it was a split decision, that one, I think. Um, oh, okay. And he lost the title on the scales in his next fight, so he didn't even make weight. So he's lost his first championship without a defence after failing a drugs test for cocaine. Yeah. His second, he doesn't even make weight for. And then he wins his third title. It's not even one of these paper championships. It's not even as good as that. It's a vacant interim belt. Yeah. yeah. And you're telling me that that's counted as your third world title win. So we're going to have a vacant interim title against and a completely shot fire. This is what it takes to be a three times champion these days. Yeah. What's the word that we use? Yeah, to describe the craziness of boxing. Boxing shenanigans. Shenanigans, shenanigans yes. Some of the shenanigans say, that yeah. takes place. A lot of shenanigans going on here. I was going to ask you where Benavidez goes, and I was actually thinking, I mean, I'd like to see him fight Canelo. Obviously, we're going to touch on this later, but Canelo t- is, 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 is booked. <laughs> but um, what about Caleb Plant? I think that would yeah. be a good fight. Great fight. I just want to see him in against anyone who's in the top 10. That would be a stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Right, let's touch on the the news this week. So the big news is that Triple G and Canelo has been announced the third fight for the 17th of September, venue unknown as yet. I suspect it's probably going to be Las Vegas. It'll be Vegas, you'll yeah. yeah. And we are both looking forward to this fight and we will preview this nearer the time, but I have a... F- I'm just going to say it. I think Triple G is going to win this fight. I really do. Anyway, Joel's not so sure. <laughs> Joel's actually pretty sure that he's not going to win the I'm fight. positive that he's not going to win the fight. Roy Jones had said earlier in the week that Canelo shouldn't fight Bibble again, so he has his wish. This was a story on Boxing 24-7. What was his reasoning? So this was the quote. He shouldn't fight him at either 175 or 168 super middleweight. He said you should leave it alone. And the reason why he said that was because, and well, this is what he said, Bivol isn't the guy for him to fight. Bivol has got the wrong style for him. Now, you mentioned this earlier. I'm not sure this, I think this was when we were discussing it with whilst the matters weren't recording, but styles make fights. And I sort of agree with that. I just think Bivol has the wrong style for Canelo because he's a bigger, taller, European style fighter who throws very good straight punches and Canelo wasn't really able to land his offence. So, (laughs) you know, I think he's right. It's, It's one of those where I think what might happen is that Canelo is expecting to beat Triple G. Yeah. And then he'll have the rematch. 
I'm assuming if he gets the confidence earning victory that he's clearly after, that he'll maybe take on Bivol again because I don't think he'll want to not have that rematch. Yeah, he'll he's definitely, too proud a man. He will definitely take on Bivol again because of exactly what you just said there. He's, he's too proud a fighter yeah. uh, to not fight him. What I would say with regards to what you just said about Roy Jones' comments, I mean, again, this goes back to is a reason not to fight somebody because you're not definitely going to win the fight. Now, I say no. That's not how I look at boxing. Obviously, Roy Roy Jones is somebody that as his career went on, he did kind of look at things like that. He certainly didn't early on in his career. And that he he just has the attitude there of of a trainer, which is what you'd want out of a trainer manager to be looking out for their their fighters, yeah, and sort of trying to get them the highest reward for the least risk, which is what it's all about for for trainers and managers. But you know, I'm here as a fan, and again, as you know, I've um, I've sort of bore on about this, but I just want to see the best fights, and it's a huge fight, and yeah, I would I would put Bivol as the favourite. Absolutely no reason not to make the fight, though, in, yeah. in my and I, and I genuinely think that that is Canelo's outlook as well. Yeah. So, Triple G Canelo, the third fight has been announced. That's good. That's something we're really looking forward to. Can't wait for that to happen. Still one of the best fights in boxing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgardner are at that fight's been announced. I don't think the date's been set yet, but that's a unification fight for the WBO, IBF, WBO and IBF titles, which I believe are held by Michaela Mayer, the Ring Magazine belt and the, the WBC title held by Alicia Baumgardner. That's a cracking fight because, I mean, I am so impressed with uh, Alicia Baumgardner. You're high on her, aren't you? She is an outstanding fighter and Michaela Mayer is, is also an excellent fighter. I would favour Baumgardner slightly, but it's one of those fights which we want as fans, a sort of 50-50 top quality fight, two elite level opponents you know, putting it on the line. Sign me up all day long. Exactly. Michael Conlon, he is due to return in Belfast on the 6th of August against a unnamed opponent. Well, Conlon did say, I got this from his, he did an interview with Boxing Social, and he said that the opponent was going to be a well-experienced opponent at world level. And, you know, great. Uh, What really struck me, though, was that, this is proposed for August 6th, I think it is. Yeah. Well, his fight with Lee Wood was on March the 12th. That's, so he's talking about a less than five-month gap from that gruelling, punishing war of attrition with Lee Wood. He wants to make his comeback. I would personally, I, I would have thought you'd want a little bit more time out of the ring, but maybe he wants to exercise those demons. I mean, I, I can't wait to see him fight again because I thought he would put in an excellent performance despite losing. And I think he was probably a minute or two away from winning that fight, probably on yep. close points. It's a very close point decision, to be fair. So, yeah, no, can't wait to see him fight again. Some other news, if you can call it news, Joel. <laughs> I have to mention oh, I think this I know what you're laugh. coming up with now. Okay, <laughs> go on, Joe. Floyd Mayweather had his Abu Dhabi exhibition bout against some YouTuber, which he won an eight-rounder. On points, allegedly he was quite aggressive in this fight and put the the other fella down a few times. Anyway, no one cares. <laughs> Great, I didn't watch it. Yeah, neither did I. To be fair, I, saw, so, I think I just saw some highlights. So you said anyway that there was talk of him fighting Jake Paul. I think after God, this, so yeah. something like that. Well, after seeing Floyd against Logan Paul, I would say he definitely won't do that. He struggled in that fight. He was an old man against a far bigger fighter a far bigger bloke yeah 
And I think Floyd really struggled in that. When I heard him after the fight, he, it was like his confidence was gone. And I think he was really humiliated by that before he realised, oh, I can just dress this up as I wasn't trying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what happened there. It was, that was embarrassing. He shouldn't fight anyone of, of that sort of size again. I mean, and Logan Paul's better than Jake, even though Logan ain't up to much. I'm not against Floyd Mayweather doing this. I, I mean, God, I, I would if I was going to get paid millions of pounds yeah, to do these exhibition. But you're not like a billionaire, man. I know. To be fair, I understand it's just, where you're... It's embarrassing. It's destroying his legacy. It's embarrassing for the sport. I don't agree. When you're that rich, why do you need to make an extra couple of million quid? You know, I know he constantly wants to show off about how much money he earns and, you know, how he just does what he wants in life and all that. Oh, great. Good on you. But, uh, we don't need to see that. You're embarrassing yourself in the sport, mate, and you were one of its finest practitioners and you got out of the sport with your marbles intact with a huge amount of money in the bank. What on earth are you doing this for? It's oh, embarrassing. You- <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> Josh Taylor has been stripped of his WBA title for failing to defend it against mandatory Alberto Puello. That fight wouldn't draw, so I'm not surprised he's decided not to take on that opponent. No, it's a nothing fight there. So Josh Taylor is rumoured to be staying at 140 now, avoiding Jack Catterall still. <laughs> but he was being lined up to take on, who was it, Joel? Uh, Jose Zapeda. Oh, okay. So it's a good fight, good action fight. Uh, I would have nothing against that. But it's not Jack Catterall. Exactly. He got out of this fight immediately after the Catterall bout because he said that he was moving up in weight. He couldn't make the weight anymore. And now he's staying at light welter and not fighting Jack Catterall. I don't think that is acceptable, really. I think Josh Taylor might be one of the most hated boxers on social media, if I'm really? being brutally honest. Yeah, the stuff I see. I mean, a lot of it is very much centred on this notion that he, like you say, said that he would be moving up so couldn't take the you know wouldn't fight Jack Catter in the rematch mm. but that's that's not transpiring to be the case I think poor Jack has been played a little bit here because he was signed up by Probellum straight after yeah. the Taylor fight and obviously Probellum with their links as well to Josh Taylor yeah and it seemed clear to me at the time and I think we discussed it that they'd signed him up in order to keep him away from Josh yeah and what's happened now is that he's been kept away from Josh. Everything's happened that's happened to do with MTK and Probellum. Yeah. And I can't see Jack Catterall's career going anywhere anytime soon because of that. Yeah. And he's got, now, I mean, where's he been left? In no man's land. Just complete no man's land. I feel terrible for the guy. Yeah. So here's a piece of news. So, yeah, we were chatting about Derek Chisora earlier and we were on the basis that it would be a dream fight him and Alan Babich but it looks like he's actually going to be taking on Adam Kawanaki in July and this has come straight from Eddie Hearn in the which was in the build up to the Uatsi Richards fight when obviously they were discussing Adam Bowski so Adam Kawanaki Derek Chisora what are your thoughts on this Joel? My thoughts are that it's just occurred to me that actually Alan Babich should fight Adam Kalnaki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that would be an incredible fight, yeah. styles-wise. My God, can you imagine how many punches would be thrown in that fight? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Adam Kalnaki's come off two 
um, losses though to Robert Hellenius and oh, convincing I, ones as well, hasn't well, he? Uh, Hellenius, though, in both of those, just moved his performances to a totally different level. He was superb in both fights. But something that did jump out at me in both fights again, though, is that Kanaki's chin just looks to have completely abandoned him. Yeah, it's like just gone. Yeah, and so I think it's a very smart fight for Chisora. It'll be super fun this one because Kanaki does throw a thousand punches around. <laughs> uh, but one thing I will say is Kanaki has come out this week and said he hasn't signed for the fight. I know Derek Chisora has, but Kanaki oh, doesn't yes, seem yes, that keen yes. on it actually. So uh, I don't yeah, know whether this enough. has been a bit of a premature announcement or what, oh, or maybe Kanaki's just you know angling for a little bit of extra dosh as Derek Chisora would. Chisora, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're on the telephone to each other, just saying, "Oh yeah, ask for another few grand for this from Eddie." Play it, son. <laughs> Anthony Joshua, I'm hearing, is looking to appoint someone else to work alongside his trainer and um, Angel Fernandez. I have to say, I'm getting a bit bored old... of these stories about him having this trainer, another what? trainer. This he trainer's wants... not good enough, so he's going to get another trainer. But Joe, he wants a trainer to work alongside his trainer. <laughs> Who is there to work alongside his old trainer? What on earth is going on here? We've had chats about Anthony Joshua. We find him quite a a peculiar character in that he... Complicates things. Complicates things, exactly. Look, I personally don't like hearing this sort of news because it suggests perhaps that he's not happy with his current setup. I think he needs to just... Have your team, work with them, just get on with it. Yeah, he's he's second-guessing himself again, and it's made him hesitant both in and out of the ring. Yeah. And it's really difficult seeing this. Yeah, you're right, actually, because let's be honest, when Anthony Joshua was... I don't don't want to say at his peak, but because, you know, maybe his peak hasn't passed yet, but prior to the defeat to Andy Ruiz Jr., he was a bit of a wrecking ball, and mm. that was his style, and it was a good style for him because he's a, he's a decent boxer, but he's not a great boxer, but he is a, you know, he's, a, he's got that power and that destructiveness, and he seems to have tried to change that a lot. Like he's, well, what he had then, Joe, was he had tunnel vision, yes. and he's lost that, so he knew what he was as a fighter, he knew what he wanted out of the game, yeah. and I think it's... He's now not so clear-minded when it comes to all of this. Yeah, so obviously the Usyk performance, why on earth would you want to try and box someone who's a master boxer and half your size? I mean, just what is he doing? Yeah, and even in the second Ruiz fight, I, I, I mean, it, it, it was a good performance in the sense that he completely dominated it. But let's be honest, Ruiz was just completely out of shape and might as well put Mr. Blobby in the ring with Anthony Joshua that night. It was, but I thought that Joshua that night, at least he just followed a game plan, knew exactly what he wanted to do and just did it. Yeah, I agree with you, but I still would have liked to have seen him just go back out there and say, right, you're clearly out of shape. Mm. I'm dominating the fight. I'm going to try and finish you off because, and I think he pro- I think uh, that's the mentality that I want to see from Anthony Joshua. I think that his confidence was just too dented for him to do that at the time, but yeah. absolutely agreed. That's what we want to see on him. And Anthony, believe in yourself more, man. You're, you're a big, strong, brilliant heavyweight. He, he, that's the, so the, the fight that obviously the big fight, which probably will never happen because it's such a good matchup to have. Obviously, <laughs> Why Anthony <wouldn't> Joshua <laughs> against Tyson Fury. Yeah. I genuinely think that's a 50-50 fight if Anthony Joshua goes in there with that tunnel vision style mm. and just goes for it. 
Yeah, I don't, absolutely I don't, goes for it. Um, if I, he I, tries I, to box him, though, no chance. Yeah, I wouldn't quite go 50-50, but I think it's just an excellent competitive fight and, again, one of the best matchups that can be made in boxing. If he can get over the hump versus Usyk. Yeah. And if he does, then the fight will happen. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that'll be a great fight. Boxing dreams, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to touch on some news, which is good news following some, some rather worrying news. Alejandra Ayala has been awakened from her induced coma following her fight with Hannah Rankin. This follows successful surgery. We touched on this last week. That's obviously great to hear. And again, fingers crossed that that's just the beginning of her making a complete recovery because as we've said before we love boxing hence the name of the podcast i like boxing and but but it's a brutal sport and you know the, that news really highlights the dangers involved and sadly it, this does happen so again fingers crossed this is just the beginning of a complete and full recovery for alejandra ayala and Final bit of news to touch on. So I thought this would be worth mentioning. Jamal Herring has retired. He is the former WBO junior lightweight champion from 2019 to 2021. You might remember him for his knockout victory over Carl Frampton. And more recently, his defeat, no shame in losing to someone who has a good chance of becoming an all-time great in Shakur Stevenson. Jamal Herring did fight um, Jermaine Ortiz recently I think it was actually just on the weekend and he lost that on points over 10 rounds and it was a fairly convincing defeat for him he has decided to call it quits and again at I Like Boxing we, we wish him the very best yeah, yeah, and thank him for his contribution to boxing in his, his career another well-earned hopefully happy retirement and hopefully he's put, got some money in the bank well, Jamel, just to touch on it really quickly, Jamel had an old-fashioned career. It was actually only 10 years, which is not the old-fashioned bit, but nothing was ever given to this man. Yeah. He was never the A-side. He was never there to win, and certainly on not on those big nights. Yeah. He just, he really, he he had to fight for everything he got in the game and, you know, just so much respect. Yeah. So happy retirement, Jamel Herring. Now, let's preview. There's one big fight this weekend. This is an odd one. This is a really interesting one to preview because I don't really know what to make of uh, Rolando Romero. So this is Javonta Davis against Rolando Romero. And for those who don't know, um, Rolando Romero is signed to Mayweather Promotions and was signed, I believe, off the back of sparring performances that right. he'd put on in the gym, which allegedly impressed that that guy who wasn't oh, what keeps that fighting fella with the lot of money. Derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, that, that guy. One. So, having watched some of, of uh, Rolando Romero's fights, I, I don't really know what quite what to, to make of him. To be to be honest, he's extremely aggressive. I mean, almost you know, not quite Alan Babich levels, but he's yeah. not far off. To be honest, I mean, he's a come forward fighter, and he throws almost every shot with venom 
Yeah, he's got this strange air of danger about him. And I'm not necessarily referring to his in-ring presence. Although, in-ring, pre-fight, he does tend to prowl about looking like a sort of furious teenager. I find him a puzzling character, a scary character. Yeah. I don't know what to make of this fight. Again, I I did try to narrow my opinions down somewhat on this fight. So... Rolando Romero fought Jackson Marinez mm. in 2020, and he won this fight on a unanimous decision. It, it was, was one of those strange full lockdown fights yes. when they, uh, you were only allowed a sort of cornerman and the referee yes. into the arena. It's one of those ones. There's like no one there. Yeah. It was a strange night and a strange performance. It was. So it was for the... WBA interim lightweight title and the consensus from many was that Romero got a very lucky decision. Now, when I watched that fight, I do think that he probably got away with it. I thought he was extremely poor in that fight, technically all over the place, lunging, feet getting tangled left, right and centre. I think he's improved since then. I mean, he's going to be the bigger man in the fight against Javonte Davis. Taller man, stronger, I think, as well. And it's almost like the Canelo-Bivol fight. And I'm not saying that Romero's in the same class as potentially as someone like Bivol, who's obviously a very good fighter. But at some point, if you keep fighting bigger guys and stronger guys, I think you might come undone. Well, I agree with you, but this one is back down at lightweight. So he isn't doing one of these sort of light welter or welter fights. He's moved back down for this one. I do think that... Javonta Davis is going to pay for moving up the weights as he is. Yeah. Because he's not busy enough to keep carrying it. Yeah. So he's somebody that relies on his one-punch knockout power, which is great, and that can work for you and works for him at a very high level. Yeah. But when you keep moving up in weight, as we saw with Canelo, unless you have a really busy style, eventually you're just going to be beat by a sound game plan and size. Yeah. Javonta Davis, is it's going to happen to him one day soon, even though he's an exceptional level of talent. Yeah. Oh, he's a fantastic fighter. Brilliant fighter. Oh, he's, yeah, so he's, he's a different gravy, this guy. He really yeah, he is. is. But, and he, uh, yeah, so we, we will we'll get that. I don't think this is going to be the fight that this happens in because if you're not a disciplined, stick-to-a-game-plan type fighter, then you're going to really struggle against Davis. And I, I think that he's going to be on the end of a, a nasty knocking out. Oh, so I was going to ask you what your prediction was. So yeah. you think Tank Davis is going to knock him out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he should. He should. He should catch him in the end. Yeah. That pretty much. Yeah. This. This is the sort of fight where I'd say. On, I mean, on paper, he should win this fight in comfortably. But in terms of, if I was a betting man, I'd quite. I'd probably quite like to watch the first couple of rounds. So are you going off of his performance against Anthony Yigit, which would say that his, which his last fight. Well, he, he did look impressive, got the knockout in seven. And you're thinking if he can carry that form into a fighter, you know, in with a fighter like Javonta Davis. But Javonta Davis is, he's a leap in levels for this guy. I think that what might actually work in his favour is that he's extremely confident. He doesn't have that experience yet of being... Of losing. Of losing or being in a... You know, he really believes that he's a, you know going to win the fight. And what I think the other thing that I think he may have in his favour is that he... he might, I mean, he might not do this, but I think he's going to go for it. I think he may well go for it, but I think it'll be out of fear. So this confidence that you see, I see fear. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I, I got a slightly different take on that, obviously. So that, that's what I see. When when you have this sort of attitude, as he does, yeah. in life or in the ring, it's, it's, you're normally covering for something. Some uh, insecurity. Yeah, some serious insecurity. And I think, actually, he's one of these fighters, like Mike Tyson, yeah. who goes into the ring absolutely terrified. Yeah. But not many can channel it like Tyson did. Yeah. I think that Davis is going to win the fight. I... Wouldn't be surprised if Romero has his moments. There's something about his very aggressive come-forward style that I think could cause Javonta some problems. I agree. What's interesting as well is that the odds are, I mean, if you look at the betting odds, Rolando Romero might as well not be turn up. Yeah, he's about 6 to, <laughs> six to 1 in, in a two-horse yeah. race, so yeah. So that's another thing that I think is it, it you know always plays a part sometimes. I think when a fighter who believes they're an excellent fighter is given next to no chance, it might just give them that extra motivation. You know, I'm going to show the world actually that I'm not this 6 to 1 outsider, I'm better than that. So look, I don't know. I think yeah, I think he'll give it a good go. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll give it a good go. But yeah. Javonta Davis is is a Levels supremely gifted fighter. Yeah, and it's actually it's Javonta's last fight with Mayweather Promotions. Apparently, yes. so he's. I mean, he's. Everyone's trying to get in the Javonta Davis business now. Yeah. So, so do you think he'll be going to PBC and Al Heyman? It would make a lot of sense to me if he went to PBC. Yeah, I mean, I think PBC work quite closely with Mayweather Promotions anyway. Yeah, but that that will be a talent laden. Well, up a welterweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If he moves up to welterweight, which he would do. I mean, that's who. If if Javonta Davis is planning on making a real run at it, uh, welter. Yeah. Then there's nowhere else in the world for him to go. Yeah. Other than uh, PBC. However, if he's looking at the lightweights. And the light welters, well, then you're really, you're looking at, at Top Rank and Bob Arum, really, yeah. with, the, with their roster. Yeah. And obviously, Eddie Earn's got a couple as well with, well, Devin Haney will probably go back to him. And, yeah. So, yeah, look, there's a load of load of options here for him. Yeah. And he's going to make a lot of money because he, he will be the most sought-after free agent in boxing after this fight. Yeah, yeah. So, I think this is an interesting fight. I mean, it's one that I'd, I'll watch and be quite intrigued to see how it pans out. I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, and that's it. So that that ends our previews. Have you got anything else to add, Joel? Mr. Boxing Scholar over yeah, I'm pretty done. <laughs> All I've got to add to is the that four... Domino's sitting behind me, So on that note, on behalf of myself and Joel, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And we shall actually, I was about to say, well, I don't think we are going to be back next week. We're going to have to have a, a week's break because i'm on holiday so no, i'm sure you'll miss us something that should be mentioned you know which i i think joe's as I think, i'm sure all of you will agree joe hasn't been doing his job very well lately <laughs> <laughs> because it's joe's job really to tell you that the pod comes out every friday you will get a fresh every episode, friday yeah, a yeah. fresh episode <laughs> of i like boxing with joe and joel the podcast yeah and as Joe mentions, it's not happening next week. So the first time we've said that, we're actually not giving it to you next week. But two weeks today, yeah. you're getting a fresh episode of I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. Exactly. And a longer episode, presumably, we'll have more to talk about. <laughs> I think we'll have more to talk about and you won't be so desperate to leave. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.